Hello and welcome to Downsizing, essentially an audio version of Fear Factor. I'm your host, Joe Rogan, I guess. Good news, gang. Uh, I'm dropping some LBs. Uh, I'm down to 280, although as I said, uh, I'm putting less and less stock into that number because, you know, even though I've been gaining weight, I've been getting less visibly fat. I'm still fat. (laughs) Oh, good God, yes. Uh, But I'd say I went from a thick Louis C.K., down to a slim Seth Rogen. Pineapple Express Seth Rogen, not 40-year-old virgin Seth Rogen. I'm working my way towards sort of a svelte George Costanza. And from there, current Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, what can I say? I have realistic goals. Uh, Working out went well again this week, although um, I had to miss one. Uh, I was looking forward to doing what I did last week um, and just do like deadlift squats and bench all on Sunday for like max effort, Uh, but I didn't do that. And I didn't for one main reason. Uh, I woke up Sunday morning and my shoulder was killing me for no reason. I couldn't lift my arm over my head. I used a magic bag. I did some stretches. I used like a massager wand and nothing worked. And I know this is the most hello, I'm 40 years old conversation, but I'm only 26. Uh, There's no reason for me to be this jacked up at this age. I mean, my lower back also started hurting throughout the day. And to be clear, it's not like I worked out extra hard the day before. I didn't even go to the gym. I just slept myself into an injury. I should legally be allowed to retire. Uh, That same day, I also changed my winter tires, which it turns out, was a great way to make myself nervous uh, every time I drove. Uh, Because I don't know if any of you change your own tires, but I imagine if you do, it's most likely because you have some level of competency or, you know, knowledge about cars. And I don't think I need to convince you that I have neither one of those qualities. But I'm still allowed to do it. It feels like it should be illegal. I mean, who's to say I didn't completely fuck it up and all of my tires are just going to spin off on the highway and my car will basically turn into a thousand pound toboggan. I've only driven it like once or twice since I put the tires on, so, you know, I guess it's still in the cards. Now, to give you an idea of how unprepared I was to do this, at one point, my dad came outside uh, as I was, you know, throwing my entire body into turning the lug wrench, and he goes, uh, is your parking brake on? And I was just like, it couldn't have occurred less to me to do that. And he goes, uh, yeah, you should probably do that, which is a very excellent point. Um, I also only realized the deadline was this week on like last Friday. So, you know, I'm not exactly uh, Johnny Foresight. Now on Saturday, my girlfriend and I ran some errands, mostly looking for an armchair. Uh, We currently have what Walmart describes as a director's chair, which is basically a glorified camping chair. It's technically the first piece of furniture I bought for the apartment. And actually, I think it's the only piece of furniture I bought for the apartment (laughs) besides my desk and my chair. Um, But obviously, it's not the best. So we went out looking uh, at some thrift stores to see if we could find anything we liked. We were on our way to one called Nova that's sort of near my parents' house. When uh, we witnessed two fucked things while while we were driving. Um... So we got off the highway, and at the end of the off-ramp is a set of lights. Everybody was turning left, so our lane was backed up. And at one point, a maintenance truck from the city comes through the lane next to us. 
and it looked like he was going to do some work uh, at the train station that's next to the highway. Um, but instead of just going to the light and turning right, he tried to drive up the hill. Like he just turned onto the grass and tried to take a shortcut. But since it snowed, he mostly just spun his wheels and sort of skidded back and sort of to the side, but mostly back, which is a pretty wild thing to witness. Um, even at a glance, I could have told you right away, like that was not going to happen. I mean, I don't know if this fella had his winter tires on yet, but even if he had chains and spikes on, I don't think he would have made it. And he came within inches of hitting a sign. So I'm obviously laughing my ass off because surely, I mean, this guy has to be panicking, right? I mean, I start to sweat when I mess up parallel parking and this dude's just tough mudding in a company vehicle with a huge audience. But when we drove by him, his face was completely neutral. I've never seen someone with a more relaxed body language. He looked like he was waiting in a drive through you know, not perpendicular to the road, which leads me to believe this is not the first time he's done this. Um, I mean, if he works for the city, then, you know, that's technically a government job, which means he's technically a federal agent. You know, he's like a municipal Jack Bauer. Um, now, while we were amused at the sight of this guy, you know, taking the road not traveled, we noticed something. Um, as I said, the, the lane we were in to turn left was backed up pretty far. And some folks were just driving up to the end of the turn right or go straight lane. And they're just turning left just to cut ahead of, of everybody in line, which is rude. I mean, God bless. Do what you have to do. But you are being a dick. And you should at least have informed consent about that fact. So we saw two cars doing it. And then we got up to the light. There was one car in front of us and one car in the lane next to us at the stop line. It was a red Volkswagen Golf, which is already a red flag. Now, he had at least the common courtesy of putting on his left turn signal. But when the light turned green, he starts turning, but in a way that made it look like he was either going to hit me or cut me off. So I just gave him the, a little double tap on the horn. You know, just to let him know we can kiss my grits. So I finish my turn and we get to another red light with him behind me. And I look in the rear view and the girl in the passenger seat was giving me double middle fingers. The audacity. Who's, who honestly still flips people off? As a passenger too, not even the driver. You know, she's writing checks her boyfriend's going to have to cash if someone wants to fight. You know, so I gave her the bird right back and we drove our separate ways. And I was, I was kind of blown away. Like, who behaves like that? double birds for honking at somebody for driving like a straight up asshole and as i said and i said as much to my girlfriend who agreed with me but then uh later on i was telling the story to my mom and liz just goes oh well i did flip them off and i was like what when about the same time you honked at them so it wasn't out of nowhere she flipped them off first she's the instigator she she used to just stick her tongue out at people but i guess now she's decided that an escalation of force is necessary. The funniest part is seconds later, just down the street from the thrift store, we came across a Christmas market in the street. So after we finished in Nova, we went to check it out. And it was actually it was actually kind of popping. Um, There's quite a lot of different vendors and I ended up getting a bunch of jams, salsas, and jellies from this one lady who it turns out used to be my neighbor. I also bought a bunch of stocking stuffers and a wooden cutting board. But my levels of caucasity were off the charts. Not only was I at a Christmas market with my girlfriend immediately after leaving a thrift store, after having purchased artisanal jams, but while standing in front of the cutting board guy, I turned to my girlfriend and said, 
I think I'm going to get one. I think it would make a really good charcuterie board. I mean, honestly. I should just give in and buy all the white New Balances and white denim jeans and, you know, get a rumpus room, whatever the hell that is. Um, on a different note, I think I'm getting worse at my job. <laughs> uh, to me, it seems that there's a clear progression, you know, when you start a new job. At first, you don't know anything, so you're not really doing anything but what the person training you is telling you to do. Then you start to pick things up, and you start to retain things, and you seem really smart, and you know, so on. So then, people start watching you less and less, and you're you're just kind of left to your own devices. So now, I'm at a point where I just kind of go through my day, making choices, sending emails, telling people stuff. And it just feels like I'm constantly fucking shit up. Like half of the people I email end up seeing, seeing, seeing other people that I should have sent it to first. I ask incredibly dumb questions. And I think the payroll department legit wants to defenestrate me because I am constantly asking them questions. I, I'm a real liability, folks. Let me tell you. Um, oh, and uh, if by some horrifying turn of events, my boss finds out I have a podcast and is listening to this episode, I am kidding. This is just a big old comedy bit. Just a silly goose time. Nothing that should be included in any kind of performance review. It's a real comedy of errors, though, because in addition to me being new, there are a bunch of other new people that I deal with. So it's a real guessing game of trying to figure out if they're asking the wrong department or if I just don't know what I'm talking about. So it's like the Cold War, only it's less about espionage and more about me biting my nails and putting sentences into Google Translate. Although I guess that is a form of code breaking in a way. So it's actually exactly like the Cold War. Uh, to get back on track a little bit, because this is ostensibly a health and fitness podcast. Uh, as far as the rules went for this week, um, it was a bit of a mixed bag. For the most part, I followed them pretty well. Uh, I ate a lot of vegetables, ate you know good sources of protein and I think maybe some fruit here and there even, uh, but I, I kind of fumbled the bag on the weekend. Uh, I did have popcorn on both Saturday and Sunday after dinner, which um, is not that big of a deal. It was stovetop popcorn after all, and I, I used ghee instead of real butter. But here's the thing. Um, in my head, ghee is healthier, but there is exactly one reason why I think that. I saw a video once where a fella by the name of Chris Bumstead, who is a three-time Mr. Olympia winner, went to the grocery store. He was buying all his food for the week and he was getting like, you know, chicken and sugar-free ketchup and mustard and maybe some like Tabasco. And he got a jar of ghee and that's it. That's the entire reason I think it's better for you. I have not done one second further of research and I don't intend to, but I also, well, I dipped my toes in the sauce, so to speak, uh, I drank. I had some beers. There wasn't really a reason why. I just sort of felt like it. You know, some people are intuitive eaters. I'm an intuitive drinker. I intuited that I wanted a drink, so I had some. I did notice uh, that I said I wanted a drink, and then I said I had some. That slip-up was not lost on me, but it was accurate, and it was kind of fun. But honestly, I just kind of felt like shit the next day. I don't even know if it qualifies as being hungover, I just don't drink pop or alcohol anymore, and I'm I'm still eating pretty healthy, even if I do dip over my calories here and there. So I think my body just isn't used to it anymore. 
I'm not fun is what I'm trying to say. But I'm thinking about relaxing the alcohol rule, at least for the holidays. I'm not totally sure just yet, but I feel like it could be nice, you know, be a little naughty just in time for Christmas. By the way, um, there's something so creepy to me about the word naughty. Like, it feels like a word that used to be used exclusively for children's behavior. For some reason, I hear it in like a British accent in my head. Like, you've been a very naughty boy. But now it's entirely sexual. Like, it's far more sexual than not. Much in the same way that daddy is. And I'm incredibly uncomfortable about how and why that shift occurred. I also don't really know how to look into it without making my internet search history incredibly suspicious. At the moment, it's just like, you know, misspelled questions, conversions from kilos to pounds, and searches of random names that I think are celebrities, but I can't place them or figure out why their name is in my head, like like Sissy Spacek or Lou Diamond Phillips. But if you start going down the road of, you know, how did daddy become sexual, already know. I... I hate that those words came out of my mouth. It's the worst. This this whole podcast was a giant mistake. How did I even get here? I was talking about my rules and I just blacked out and now I'm in a panic spiral. Um, all that to say, <laughs> I may take it easy on the no drinking rule, especially after that fucking episode. Um, surprisingly, I found it pretty easy for the most part to follow the no pop rule, at least up until now. But now I'm finding it a bit more difficult. But we'll get a, into that a little bit more in the second half. But before we do, we have a, a teeny weeny little word from our sponsor. Folks, are you sick of drinking water out of the tap like an animal and bottled water? What are you, an asshole? Do you know how many bottles of water are in the ocean right now? But what are the alternatives? Boxed? That's incredibly off-putting. And cans are yesterday's news. That leaves us with one option. Bags. That's right. Bags aren't just for milk anymore. You talk shit about bag milk for long enough. It's time to see what all the fuss is about. This is all made possible by this week's sponsor, Wetsacks. Wetsacks is the world's first and only supplier of bagged water. While everybody's walking around buying water or standing for minutes on end filling up their own bottles, you can stay calm and collected, knowing you're all sacked up and ready to go. Where you please, when you please. You can keep it in the fridge like your milk, or stab a straw through it and drink it like a Capri Sun. It's your world. We're just living in it. So what are you waiting for? An invitation? Hit up their website and get your sacks today. For a limited time, get a free pitcher, as well as early access to their sparkling water sacks with my code word down for bags at checkout. Wet sacks. It's H2, the way to go. And we have returned. So as I said in the first half, I've been finding the no pop rule like a lot more difficult these days. I don't know if it has something to do with there being like new flavors out for a bunch of different brands. Like vanilla Coke is back for fuck's sake. I'm a huge vanilla Coke head. This should be my white boy summer. But I've resisted. I haven't even had the zero calorie ones. But I don't know what it is. Over the past few weeks, I've gotten more and more tempted to start drinking them again. So I thought for this week, I would completely lean into it and go over all different kinds of pop. Maybe get into the history here and there talk about what I like and don't like, and just have a grand old time. I'm like a soda sommelier, and I'm not going to talk about Coke in this episode. Um, I want to do a full episode on it, like I did with Pepsi. So first off, um, there's not really an order to this. We're just going to work our way through some of the the big players, as well as some of the lesser-known ones. 
starting with root beer. I feel root beer is really kind of underrated. I mean, pretty much everybody who likes pop likes root beer. It's sweet. It has no caffeine. It's just straight up delicious. What's not to like? I did have a friend once tell me that she thought it tasted like toothpaste, but I can't even sort of imagine where she's getting those notes. Maybe it's like a cilantro tasting like soap type situation. Now, when we're talking root beer, we're really talking about mug or barks. Personally, I'm more of a barks guy. I think it just tastes better. And I also feel like mug makes you feel like shit after you drink it. Now, in fairness, that could be because for the most part, when I had mug, it was at a birthday party as a kid where I'd also be eating chips, candy, pizza, and drinking multiple other types of pop. So maybe it's not a fair comparison. I do feel like it has a much more frothy mixture. So I don't think it's all me and my choices. <laughs> um, I couldn't really find that much information about Mug's history, aside from the fact that the company was founded in San Francisco in the 40s and was bought out by Pepsi in 1986. It's not, you know, the most enthralling history. Barks is uh, a little bit more interesting. Long story short, the company was founded by two brothers, the Barks brothers in Louisiana. Uh, they worked on a few drinks, the most popular of which at the time was called Orangine. No points for guessing what flavor it was. So they've got a spot in Louisiana, and then the younger brother, Ed, moved to Mississippi with his new wife, and he opened up a bottling plant there. He also met a young fella named Jesse Robinson, who must have been one hell of a guy because Ed signed an agreement with him that gave him uh, product rights to create his own concentrate. And Robinson eventually moved to Louisiana himself. And we jump ahead about 75 years, and the Mississippi plant was bought from the Bark family, and the new owner wanted to market the brand nationally. This was complicated by the fact that the plant in Louisiana was owned and operated by the descendants of Jesse Robinson. Obviously, lawsuits went flying back and forth, ultimately ending in the favor of Robinson's heirs. Um, now, I've said a lot of good things about root beer, but it really only applies to those two brands. I mean, have you ever tried a different company's root beer? It tastes like fermented dirt and piss. I realize there's also A&W root beer, but quite honestly, I find it to be very meh. I think the frosted glass is doing a lot of the work there. I think Dad's is not bad either. I think I've had it once or twice, but Aside from that, it's usually just a rough go. Um, next up, we have ginger ale. Honestly, I feel like this is a, a pretty unpopular beverage. It's a good mixer, but I don't really know anyone whose drink of choice is ginger ale. It honestly can be argued that it tastes bad, but I do still like it. I sometimes feel like I prefer the diet version to the regular one, although that could honestly just be me uh, because I've drank like way more of it. My parents drink diet Coke and diet ginger ale. So, you know, I've, uh, I pounded back countless cans of both. Now the first ginger ale was created by Thomas Joseph Cantrell, an Irish apothecary and surgeon. It kind of begs the question how he ended up in the pop game, you know, like Dr. Oz doesn't have his own energy drink as far as I know. Uh, but this ginger ale wasn't quite the one we're familiar with. This is referred to as the golden style, which I'm certain I've never had. If you're going for a, you know, a non-major brand beverage, non-major brand beverage, what the 
fuck am I saying? If you're going for a non-major brand beverage, it's certainly not going to be for ginger ale. You know, the kind that we're all familiar with, as far as ginger ale goes, is known as dry ginger ale. And it was invented by a Canadian fella named John McLaughlin. Can you guess what he called it? That's right. Schweppes. Nah, (laughs) I'm just joshing. It was Canada dry. But by the way, did you know that Schweppes is the oldest pop company in the world? They're the OGs. They're making carbonated soda water since the 18th century. There's still no shot I'm going to drink it, though. Uh, Now, this isn't related to the history of ginger ale, but I'm going to tell you a quick story that um, revolves around it and uh, I find to be very impressive. So a few years ago, uh, Schweppes put out a bunch of new varieties of ginger ale. I think there was like um, an amber ginger ale, a dark one, and, and so on. Now, as I've alluded to, and I think you would agree with, ginger ale is not the most popular beverage. If you're going to a party, most likely, you know, you'd bring Coke, maybe Sprite, maybe root beer. But one of my coworkers, a guy named Mitchell, well, Mitchell showed up with three cases of ginger ale, all the new varieties. And let me tell you, I have never been so impressed. That is the most Chad Sigma male grind set move I've ever seen. If I was a CEO, he would immediately be hired as my chief of operations. No one I've ever told this story to has ever found it compelling or understood why I found it so impressive. So now you can all include yourselves in that exclusive group. Now, the one last thing that I will say about ginger ale is a quote from its Wikipedia page. It goes, The dry style also became popular in the United States during the Prohibition era where it was used as a mixer for alcoholic beverages, which tells you everything you need to know about the Prohibition. Next up, we have Sprite and 7-Up, which I'm going to discuss as a pair because let's be real. It's pretty much the same thing. It's not like Coke and Pepsi where the flavors are sort of ambiguous and are pretty much just known by the name of the brand. You know, 7-Up and Sprite are both lemon-lime flavored. Now, I will say... 7-Up is better, and also the OG. Uh, Sprite was only made in the early 60s to compete with 7-Up, which, you know, is the epitome of, you can copy my homework, just make sure you get a worse grade than me. 7-Up was first called Bib Label Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda. Catchy. And it was released two weeks before the Wall Street crash. Timing. To my taste, uh, 7-Up has a sweeter, more full-bodied flavor than Sprite. Uh, There are also recipes to make a dessert known as uh, 7-Up Cake, which, of course, uh, I have made. (laughs) It's a bunt cake with 7-Up in the batter as well as in the glaze. And and I'm going to be real with you. It's delicious. It's so goddamn good. I have to wonder if other pops would make good cakes. Probably Coke cake would be a bad idea, since it sounds so close to cocaine that you're bound to disappoint a lot of people when you bring it to a party. Now, next up, we have uh, we have Dr. Pepper, MD. A lot of people say you can't describe the taste of Dr. Pepper. Now, I, for one, think it tastes like if you mixed three parts root beer with one part Pepsi with maybe a teaspoon of toothpaste in a good way. It was made in Waco, Texas by a pharmacist named Charles Alderton. 
Uh, it seems that it was a big thing back in the day to have like a pop fountain in the drugstore because it seems like every person that invented one worked at a pharmacy. But anyway, so his customers were getting tired of all the regular flavors that he had. So he began experimenting with different ingredients, eventually landing on a 23-ingredient mixture. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, it was first just known as a Waco, you know, after the city it was created in. And the way people began to order it was by asking the person at the counter to shoot a Waco. And if you know anything about Waco, Texas, you know, that's just a, it's just a fun little coincidence. <laughs> oh, and uh, the, the first slogan was Dr. Pepper, the king of beverages. And I don't know. I feel like it's muddying the brand a little bit. You know, like he's a doctor and a king. You know, it's like a product called Professor Salt, world famous dentist. Uh, the only other thing I want to discuss with regards to Dr. Pepper is a version of it that came out in 2011 called Dr. Pepper 10. So called because it was only 10 calories. Now, I uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that diet pops are usually marketed towards women, but not Dr. Pepper. Oh, no. This was, this was war- marketed towards men, not chicks. You can only drink it if you pee standing up. There's an ad that was like a mix of like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Rambo, all those movies. It was, and it was like, you know, talking about how it's a drink for the boys. And it's honestly so dumb. Like literally, they their slogan for it was literally Dr. Pepper 10. It's not for women. Like who who the fuck thinks that's, thinks that's a good idea? And what's even dumber is they put together um, uh, a 10 manments for men. And they are some of the most soft-cocked, nose-picking, piss-stained rules I've ever seen in my life. They are as follows. Thou shalt not OMG. If it's not exploding, it's not exciting. Wow. Thou shalt not pucker up. Kissy faces are never manly. Thou shalt not post pics of your outfit. Unless it's battle armor and you have a gigantic sword and or a small bazooka. I think maybe more of a small bazooka, folks. Thou shalt not post furry animal videos. Exceptions made for beasts fighting to the death and bears destroying idyllic picnic scenes. Like just describing Yogi Bear as a manly thing. Thou shalt not make a man-gagement album. That is all. Thou shalt not share your horoscope daily. Thou shalt not Instagram your lunch. Real men eat lunch, not tweet it. Well, is it Instagram or is it Twitter? Thou shalt not untag unflattering pics. We know you were there. Thou shalt not end with a comment with a, and then it's a smiley face, but instead of a colon, it's equal signs. Finally, thou shalt not make a Facebook profile for your pet, baby, and or imaginary friend. It's a lot of social media heavy shit, you know? Now there's a 100% chance that if you found that funny, your profile picture is a selfie of you sitting in your car, not smiling, wearing Oakley's. It's nuclear levels of busted. These are the types of fellas that gives themselves heart disease from not being able to identify their feelings and just, you know, emotionally white-knuckling their way through life. Now, I want to end on a positive note. So I'm going to shout out some lesser-known beverages that are worth trying out. 
Some of you may heard of them, but I bet you haven't heard of all of them. So first up is Brio. You might be under the impression that Brio is Italian, but it's not. It's actually Canadian, but based on an Italian style of pop known as Cinotto. Uh, I've always had a hard time describing how it tastes. It's really, it's not for everybody. Um, it has almost like an, an herbal type flavor, sort of in a similar way to Jägermeister without tasting anything like it. But when looking into it for this episode, I finally realized what it tastes like. Cinotto is a kind of citrus. And what Brio tastes like is the oil from a citrus peel. The next time you're eating an orange, squeeze the peel into your mouth. It's like a little spurt of mist that's really, really bitter. That's what Brio tastes like. Again, in a good way. You can find it at um, most Italian restaurants as well as, interestingly, a lot of like Middle Eastern or Lebanese restaurants. Um, but I honestly really like the taste. It's one of the few kinds of pop that isn't just like completely sweet uh, in a similar vein to Brio. Um, we have Moxie. Now, I don't 100% remember what it tastes like because I've only had it a few times, uh, but I remember it's very good. Um, the main reason that I've only had it a few times is it's pretty much seems to only be available in like Maine and parts of New England. Um, it has a flavor, I feel like comparable to Brio. So if you like one, you'll like the other. Uh, it's also where the word moxie comes from. Like, ah, see, kid, you got a lot of moxie. You know, I, I don't know if the example was necessary. I feel like you know what moxie is. <laughs> Finally, we have Iron Brew. Scotland's other national drink. Wink, wink, it's whiskey. Uh, Iron Brew is a, a Scottish pop that actually goes all the way back to 1889. Uh, it's a nice neon orange and uh, can usually be found in countries with like a significant Scottish population. You can find it here and there in Canada and it's really good actually. It tastes kind of like cotton candy. Um, it also competes evenly with Coke in terms of sales in Scotland um, for a long time, it beat Coke, but I think around, I think it was around 2003 or 2005, they kind of evened out. Um, this is the drink Coke. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think the nose candy might, you know, beat it out by a slim margin, but who knows? Uh, there seem to be a ton of British food stores in Montreal, so you can find it pretty easily here and, and probably other major cities too. Uh, the other thing I just, <laughs> when I was reading the Wikipedia page, um, so one of the, one of the the uh, slogans for it is made is um, is saying that it's like made of of real Scottish girders, like you know, like uh, like the iron things used to make. Okay, if you don't know what a girder is, look it up. I'm not going to fucking describe it here. Um, but it was like sort of a a joke about how you know it's like very Scottish, but also I think it was supposed to mean that you know refer to the rusty kind of color as if it's actually has like iron in it. But on the Wikipedia page, it said it mentions this slogan, and then it says like the only thing, uh, you know, corroborating this fact is the point zero 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 two percent ferro whatever ferroferrogenous calcimate found in the in the bottle, and it's like, is that just the most dry joke? Ever, like so dry that it it was left in Wikipedia. Like, 
Because as a statement, that's like, did anyone really believe that it was actually made with fucking iron girders? I don't think so. And usually, I mean, no offense, Scottish humor is usually not that subtle. I mean, it's usually, you know, some form of emotional terrorism. So, I don't know. It's it's odd. I bet a fucking British person wrote that. Am I right, my, my Scottish listeners? Am I right, folks? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode, gang. Um, it's telling that the most like in-depth episodes have to do with me talking about junk food. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Instagram at excessively underscore Caucasian. Or you can send me a cheeky little email at downsizingpod at gmail.com. Tune in next week to see if I bring up the fact that Fanta is just Nazi Coke. Uh-uh. Here we go now. Expedition is popped it we choose. So we come, don't ring the alarm, you see? So we go on and on. Come, 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 follow my birthday. Yeah.